This is 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. It is 12.33, time for Community Comment with Craig Warmbold. Well, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Our guest on the uh, Community Comment program on the first Friday of every month is a uh, representative or representatives from the Beaver Dam Police Department, and uh, this first Friday is no different. Uh, we want to welcome into the conversation, as we traditionally do, Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson. Good to see you today, Lieutenant Johnson. Good afternoon. How you doing? Well, I'm not too bad yourself i'm hanging in there can't complain it's march the snow is melting it looks promising it's in like a lamb i, I feel spring it's yeah. on its way it, it's it, there's baseball spring training on the air yes very exciting things going on you'll hear some on espn 1430 beaver dam it's a, a good station to go to so it's not just one representative of the beaver dam police department joining us today uh, we are also joined by we could call him an original cast member of the oh, sure. old yeah. school yep. community comment program because <laughs> uh, this next gentleman was the uh, was the first, well, technically the second. Either we, Rich Dahl uh, was stopped by yesterday. I just happened to see him. Huh. Uh, but uh, and he's the one, Rich, uh, retired officer That's Rich right. Dahl, was the, the guy whose idea it was to, to do the community comment. To do community comment. Yeah. Community-oriented policing was a plan that he brought me. I was only on the air for a few months back in 2006. And said, well, we should do this every month. I said, that's a great idea. And the first two officers that were, uh, that were part of that initial uh, year were um, Officer Michael Steffes, Oh, sure. Now the yeah. Rhinelander police chief. No, he, no he's moved out. He's now he, at the oh, state. He's Sun Prairie police chief now. He's, oh, he's back down state. south? Ah. Yeah, city no of Sun Prairie police chief now. Oh, wow. Okay, small world. Well, Yeah, I just talked to him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, everything's going good down there. We talk here and there. Well, that's uh, that's great. And it's, with 151 and the connection, I imagine there's definitely more of a, a relationship that's needed between Sun Prairie and Beaver Dam than, yeah. say, Rhinelander. There's overlap. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of times for chiefs, it's good to talk to another chief on the same level. And yeah, the same issues, and and you guys kind of came up together. Yeah, we grew up, so we knew each other. Oh, you grew up together. Well, I too. mean, not grew up as a on the department. Okay, together. gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I should introduce the uh, the gentleman. Yeah. That he gave it away. He gave, gave it away. That, gave that, away. That, that all that build up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he's too slow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> If you haven't already figured it out, that is one uh, John Kreitziger. Uh, he came here as an officer. Officer Kreitzinger, when he and was now, on Community Comment, now he's, he's the, the top dog. That's right. The chief the of police cheese. of the city of Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, Chief John Kreitzinger. Thank you so much for joining me today, sir. Glad to be here. I like doing this once in a while. I feel like nothing has changed in, yeah. the, in the last 17 years. No, it's, it's the same. Here we are again. You again. It's me again. That's <laughs> you, right. That's been consistent. <laughs> that, that has. That, that is true. You've been here a long time. How long... You, have you been the whole time? March seven, March sixteenth will be my seventeen year anniversary. Okay, so I'm just what two weeks shy, basically. Wow. Well, yeah, I only remember a few that somebody else did. Most of the time was always you. Yeah, there was Amy Hart. She was a, a favorite. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll talk to people out in the street that will be like, "Oh, community comment. Yeah, I love that program." But you're no Amy Hart. I I'd get, I'll get <laughs> oh, that day in and day man. out, which is yeah. fine. You know, John Moser yeah. sat in this seat. Plenty, plenty of wonderful people sat in this seat for before me, as uh, as they have in your seats. Ryan Klavikowski, who's now doing wonderful things with the uh, Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. He's yeah. still on that beat. Yep, I just talked to him today. Yep, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, you you've lined up some uh, some some good people to uh, talk to us. Meet him. Eric Smiedema, who, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be talking about the kind of 2022 year in review from the Beaver Dam Police Department. He's one of those that has seen a uh, um, uh, promotion here in the last year. Not right. A, not and I'm planning on, I want to drag him along one of these days. I mean, like, come on back. 
Because, you know, with his new job and Lieutenant of Detectives, he's got some stuff that he can talk about, that's for sure. I feel like we could just do, like, a whole reunion show. Uh, yeah, get Clavo right. and Fill the room here, yeah. Get Steffis over here from Sun Prairie and uh, just do a whole thing. So like one, of these, one of these days we'll get around to it. We're also going to do that video where you go through that's everything. That's right, yeah, we said we've been doing that for a while. We, yeah. we started those talks in 2019. <laughs> And we're going to do it. One of these days, we got to say, let's do it. It's the April show we're going to do it. Today's show is all about uh, stuff that went down in 2022. You've got all the statistical analysis going on. Uh, You've got a, uh, it's uh, it's basically called the, uh, let's see, let me get it up here, the Beaver Dam Police Department 2022 Annual Report. Chief, is this something that the uh, the public could find on some type of website or social media? Yeah, we're getting it out right now. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you were one of the first ones to get a copy of it. We, we get it out to the Police and Fire Commission this month, and then they discuss it next month. Um, we're going to start to get it out now. So, Good. yeah, Excellent. and I, hopefully you put it on your website. We I'm will. Open, and all the nice pictures that are there. So if anybody listening wants to see it or see all the changes, they can see all the nice pictures and it is, you know, it's it's nice to be able to some, you know, put a face with a name. Sometimes we talk about these retirements, we talk about these promotions, we talk about the new officers coming in. I mean, these are people that, uh, is particularly Beaver Dam residents, are going to see quite frequently patrolling the beat and whatnot. Yeah, I know. I have a, one of the clerks help me put this together, and she goes, I know you like pictures. I know you like pictures. <laughs> I go, yes, pictures are always nice. You know, you can put a face with a name because lots of people that uh, can do that. That's kind of nice when you can put a name with a face. So You've had some retirements in the past year, all the way from the, the position right below your ch- yours, Chief, all the way down, I imagine. Yep. Second and third in command would be Deputy Chief Scott Barr, and, and next would be L- Lieutenant of Detectives uh, Terrence Gebhardt, and then Officer Linsmeyer, Officer Lisa Dake Jones, and uh, we added a position too. Besides all the changes, so yeah. So, so who replaced um, uh, Deputy Chief Scott Barr following his retirement? Scott Barr, his uh, that was replaced by Brandon Stommel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a lieutenant on day shift. And uh, we've seen an expansion of uh, the school resource officer in 2022. Correct. For just to catch people up that may not have caught those. I mean, we talked about it about a year ago, but it bears repeating because they've been in place for about a year now. Who have you got in place as school resource officers? Uh, officer Matt Edwards. Um, he was on night shift. He's been here about, what, six years maybe? Yep, just about, yep. Yeah, I think they're right around there. Um, what happened when Lisa Dake Jones used to run that, have that position, she used to do the middle school and all the grade schools. And one of the things I always wanted back from the schools was some evaluation every school year as to how things went, what things they'd like to see improved. And all the time she was there, I kept seeing the same thing over and over. We need more. We need more. We need her here. We want her at this school. We want more and more. And it was really hard for her to run to all the schools and the middle schools. So I, I think it was a need. And I went to the school, and they were willing to pay for a portion of that. So we came together and, and started this position. And, and Matthew Edwards, you need to get him on this show because he's that would be really unique for him to talk about some of the things he does in the grade school. It, it, it's it's uh, phenomenal. I listen to him. I try to get to the schools once in a while and talk to him, and he's got some good stories. He'd be a, a nice guy to have on here. Just since it's a new position, no, a lot of people don't know what he does and you know, in the schools. I think it would be good for him to be on this show. Maybe a June appearance. We can do his, that. His, I imagine good his busy experience. season winds down around correct. that yeah, point. Correct. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the school resource position has been in place for a couple years, though. Uh, it's just been, uh, as I understand it, in the last year, uh, kind of bolstered. 
yeah, uh, yes. with personnel. So you went from one school resource two, officer two, two, two to three. Two to three. So we got one in the high school, which is Officer Tony Carroll, and then in the middle school we have Officer Andy Serhota, and then Matt Edwards in the grade school. So how's, how's everything been going in the last year? There's been some changes because uh, Lisa retired, so that was new, and, and Kevin Rohde retired in the, in the high school, so that was a new. So all three positions, all three officers, uh, were all were all new positions or new officers in the school. So it was all a change for them, but it, it was it was good. The, you know, they had some staff changes in the school too, so that helped. And and there there, were, there needed to be some changes in the middle school, so uh, we we made some of those changes. It's going really well. Yeah, so about uh, not quite a year in, things seem to be going smoothly. Then it sounds. It sounds like what would you say are uh, what are the advantages of having a, uh, a school resource officer? This relationship between the school district and the city. I know a lot of people say, uh, you know, why is your program so successful? Why why are you adding another one? And and I it comes back to one thing and one thing only, and it's relationships. It's it's about building relationships in the school. It's not going into the schools to make a roster. Those things will come, and I know officers know the, how to handle those because they are a patrol they were a patrol officer so i know they can handle it but it's all about the relationships matt edwards is in there building relationships and, and, and all three of them are building relationships and i've seen some uh, huge improvements um you know this year officer tony carroll received dodge county law enforcement officer of the year because of everything that he has done in his career plus what he has done at the high school and all the ch- all the relationships and connections he'd made with those kids and it then it's then the rest of it falls into place and you can deal with the truancy you can deal with the problem so you have once you build those relationships and that's their goal is just to get in there and work them relationships and build them well, congratulations to uh, Officer Carroll in uh, in securing that. Yeah, I don't I, nothing against Officer Edwards, but I you know I've had kids and, and those some of those younger kids. I mean, they kind of just like you anyway. They're just always happy yes. here and stuff they're, like they're that. They're excited to see a police officer. Yeah, oh, look at that. Uh, well, yeah, look police at car. And, yeah. High school kids though. Mm, Different. Uh, challenging. Challenging. That's challenging the word. Is the word. It, yeah. Well, if, if I may, Chief. I, so, I mean, a, a lot of the things that I think Tony Carroll does, first of all, he's got a great personality. Yeah. He is a people person. Yes, um, he is. He can, he's a wheeler and a dealer, too. He can sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves, if you will. I mean, that, that guy, you know, he's, he's got a persuasive personality. And yeah. I think when he's working with the kids, he comes off as genuine, and he really is. He, he really does want to build a relationship with the student body and you know he's there at basketball games he goes to football games he's there for after-school activities Um, I know that kids and administrators and teachers can come up to him and ask him anything and he will help them out Um, one of the things I think that we always forget and maybe people out in the listening audience kind of maybe misunderstand or don't know is that Officers are there, yes, to investigate investigate crimes when they happen. However, the majority of the dis- disciplinary like process is handled by the school district, the teachers, and the staff at the school. Um, when things happen, it's always when the school reaches out to us 
to investigate and go further if need be. But for minor infractions, for things that happen in the school every day, that's all handled by the school staff, you know, through, you know, wh whatever disciplinary measures they usually take, you know, whether that be a detention, a suspension, or a talking to, a trip to the principal's office, whatever it might be. Um, we get involved when they ask us to, or when there's something so overtly, you know, that we need to respond to um, that happens in front of us, then we do. Um, so I, I think that's one of the you know key points that it, it helps build the relationships too. Because you know when the police officer is there, it's not necessarily to do it for disciplinary measures. It's to keep people safe. It's to build those relationships to become a resource. You know, hence we call them resource officers. So and it's just one of those things that yeah. I mean, a, a lot of people. You know, they think that, you know, hey, we're in there and we're handcuffing kids and taking them to the juvenile hall and stuff like that. And, well, yeah, that happens once or twice, you know, but it's not every day. It's, it's one of those things that uh, very severe instances is when we intervene. And those where they aren't making them, that's what they think the officers are coming in to do. And, you know, I had a super uh, or a chief approach me and asked me why I was so successful. And he says, well, I need to know what's going on. I need to, No, you don't. You're, you're in there to build the relationship. You, you have to do that every, every day. But the second part of it, that's the most second part that makes it successful most most important is, is working with the school, work, like he's talking about, working with the staff, working with everybody and figuring out what is the best interest of that child. Um, you know, so Sometimes there's mental health issues. Sometimes it's a single parent. You know, you can adjust. If, that's what's so nice about that position. you you got to be able to uh, look at the totality of the circumstance of everything that went on and decide what's the best working with the school staff. Do you feel in those times that, <clears throat> excuse me, a mental health challenge is something that is identified, that the resources are available in Beaver Dam to help address that? Yeah, I think there are. I, I think they're, they're, they're there. We could always use more. That's, you know, but yeah. it, when we call, usually it's something that needs to be addressed, and it's usually something that we've seen a lot, you know. So, um, you know, you, we work with the students, and then we usually call Dodge County Human Services, and they kind of evaluate it to see, you know, where we're, what kind of help, what direction we need to go with it. With it. So, yeah. And those are the is. times where we can partner with the school district as well, because they have excellent resources for those things as well. And when we partner with them and figure out, you know, that neither of us, neither of these two, you know, the police department or the school district is dropping the ball to address these type of instances, you know, it's it's a good thing. It's it's one of those things where you know we have counselors, we have psychologists, you know, through the school district that we can use and we can refer to, and then they let us know if we need to know things, and then that's when we can get Dodge County Human Services involved and and making sure that you know there's not anybody slipping through the cracks that could benefit from you know a little bit better mental health. And should the unthinkable happen, we do have a school resource officer in Beaver Dam at each level of of education and. And Chief, do you, I mean, do you have that conversation with them about, you know, have maybe potentially one day being in that very difficult decision of an active shooter situation? Yeah, we train for that every year. Every year we pick a school. It's usually uh, before school starts, and we do those drills, and they go to training for that. Uh, we, we, we do what we call some isolation drills and other drills to prepare them for them situations. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, so moving from school resource officers to officers in general, it looks like you've had a handful of new officers uh, join the uh, the ranks. Uh, uh, who who have we who have we hired here in the last year? Who's on the beat well, nowadays? Quite, quite a few, quite a few. So uh, Officer Joey Salazar and Megan Rulin have just finished uh, field training, and they are now, gosh, they're in their second week on their own. Yeah, so um, and they're doing an excellent job too. Um, they're confident, and we're confident in them. Um, they did exemplary through the field training process and have shown a lot of promise. So um, best of luck to them as they continue on with their law enforcement career uh, here. It's, it's awesome. Um, they'll be on second shift with me, um, and I enjoy working with them every day. So it's great. Um, they have huge smiles on their faces as they come into work every day because they're, they're on their own and they're doing what they really wanted to do. And here they are in Beaver Dam serving our community. So makes me proud, makes me proud. So uh, just recently, last week in fact, uh, we uh, graduated yet another officer out of the field training process, uh, Officer Russell Ebert, um, who joins us from the Juneau Police Department through a lateral transfer. Hmm. Um, he served Dodge County in the city of Juneau for many, many years. Um, and with that experience that he brought to our department, uh, he, he was familiar with our records management system, Spillman. He knows how to talk on the radio. He makes good decisions as a police officer to begin with. So he really, he came in and he really just needed to learn the city streets of Beaver Dam and just kind of how we do things at the Beaver Dam Police Department. So his is field training process, although short, was successful and he also was on his own now. And he'll be working on third shift overnights and uh, protecting people while they sleep <laughs> in the middle of the night for all the things that go bump in the night. What? Yeah, Chief? Yeah, I was just going to say, Lieutenant Johnson here is our field training officer supervisor, so he supervises that training program and makes sure that they're any, any they make sure they have the weekly meetings, you know, the daily meetings, making sure all the paperwork's done and seeing where they're at with training. That's his full his responsibility as as a lieutenant. So, it, so when something goes wrong, it's my fault. Is yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so give us some insight into that field training process. You mentioned something about just needing to get a lay of the land. You kind of kind of like a pizza delivery driver. You need to know the streets. Exactly. So okay, perfect example. Joey Salazar. He used to be a mailman. Hmm. And oh wow. Okay. So so his, his area of the city was all south huh. of uh, essentially Burnett Street, I, I believe is what it was. Okay. So he knew the whole city south of Burnett Street, but anything to the north he had to learn. <laughs> and, and, and it was kind of funny because when we started you know, teaching geography and going through town, and we just knew anything to the south, we're just going to skip. We're not even going to quiz you on it. We got it. You know it. And we're good. And everything to the north is where we really hit hard and started hitting them with the maps and scenarios of you know driving from this place to the other direct driving and whatnot but yeah that that is one out of the ten components that we check for during the field training process uh, another one is interpersonal uh, communication skills and things like that uh, patrol tactics uh, investigatory um, things investigating and making sure we're asking the right questions and building cases another one is knowledge of state statutes knowledge of the city ordinances yeah Stuff like that. It's it's um we, we make sure that they're um, also proactive policing too. Uh, we we want to make sure that they're not just responding to calls and not just driving around town. I mean, we do want them driving around town, but we want them actively engaging in 
looking for crime, looking for suspicious activity, looking for dangerous traffic violations and things uh, of that nature. You know, we, we, we want them to be checking in with people, you know, um, when things are going good and things are going bad. So, you know, if there's kids out playing in the park on a nice summer day, we're going to stop and say hi and introduce ourselves and talk with the parents, shake hands. And then if something suspicious is going on, we're going to look into that too. So it's, it's one of those things where we want that well-balanced approach. From the time they start, and we send them to the academy, the time they're done is anywhere from 10 months to a year before they're even on their own. Yeah, well, so they're always with someone. Wow. And then you, uh, this isn't like New York and the TV shows that you see where it's two partners in a car. You guys are one police officer per correct, car correct, at that correct. point. Once they graduate through all of that field training process and the other training. Yep. Right. The, uh, the academy is 720 hours, and that takes a good, I don't know, 14, 16 weeks. It's only for new hires, though, right? For new hires, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then once they're out of the academy, most new hires, they go through a full 16-week training process with us where they're with FTOs. Um, first two weeks, um, they do specialized training, firearms, DATs, with our state-certified trainers that we have at the police department. Uh, they go meet the district attorney and go to drug court. They uh, meet with the clerks. They go to the fire department, get certified in CPR, Narcan, things like that. The next two weeks after that is what we call phase one of field training. Majority of the time, the FTO is doing the majority of the work in that first two weeks, and the uh, probationers learning. As we move on through the next phase two and phase three, the end of phase three, the goal is that the field trainer is not doing any of the work and the probationer is doing all of the work. So that's a process that is approximately 14 weeks long. And at the end of that phase three, we say, okay, are you ready? You ready to do this on your own? Yep, we're good, okay. We check off on it. We go into phase four, which is what we call the shadow phase. And that's approximately two weeks. And the FTO wears plain clothes and essentially looks like a citizen who's just riding along. They stay out of everything. They only intervene if the probationer is doing something dangerous or illegal. And we really put them to the test to make sure that they know their stuff. And at the end of that two weeks, if they prove that, hey, I can do this all by, all by my own, you didn't have to intervene at all, then they're good to go. And they are let on their own. And we check in with them through their probation, which is one year, and just making sure that they're still doing what they need to be doing. Going to check out uh, some of the uh, statistical uh, analysis of the uh, police department coming up here after the break. But as we wind this uh, segment down, uh, let's uh, wind it down by talking about another new addition in 2022 to the Beaver Dam Police Department, and that is the the chaplain that you've got in the department. Yeah, it, it, um, I can have uh, Lieutenant Johnson speak more about it. But the purpose of, of the chaplain is is we deal with a lot of things, and it's always nice to be able to have that chaplain. It's a volunteer position. It's not a paid position. It does. It's it's always good when you have a volunteer like like this pastor. I met him on National Night Out, and uh, we had a couple other pastors. But you know, pastors move on from church to church, and each time we we try to get an, another one. And we had a, a while where we didn't have anyone. And he, he sounded interested, and I just asked him, hey, would you think you'd be mind being a chaplain? Absolutely. He's a chaplain down at, at, at Sun Prairie Police Department where I knew Mike Steffes, of course. Huh. So there oh. comes that connection. So guess who I called? Mike Steffes. <laughs> uh, how do you know that? Oh, great guy. He really does a good job. He, so so the goal was is to get him in, meet him a little bit, take care of some paperwork, um, and explain 
explain how we do things and see if that works for him, works his schedule, and yes. And then I turned it over to uh, Jeremiah Johnson just to make sure those things happen. And he, he's helped us already on debriefings, and, and he's there when we need him. So, Jeremiah, you want to explain what, what happened, how we got him started then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so he's sworn in, you know, just like any other police officer, receives a badge, and he rides along with us. And uh, first couple of weeks, I'd have him come in on Fridays and Saturdays when it's a little bit busier. And we'd ride along, you know, based on his availability. And through that process, uh, either through me or through other officers he was riding along with, he got to know us um, and kind of talk with us and, you know, just engage with us. And that's kind of one of the nicer things is we got to be kind of comfortable with him. And when it comes to some of the like bad things that happen in law enforcement and you got to talk about it, you know, you, you want to talk with somebody who you kind of know. You know, you don't necessarily want to be spending a lot of time going to someone that you don't know, you know, or maybe you do. But it, it, with him, we got to know him throughout the weeks that he was coming right along with us. Um, he helped us out with a critical incident debriefing process, um, which is basically like a stress relieving process where we talk about, hey, we saw some very nasty, disturbing things in this one particular call. Um, we want to talk about that. We want to talk about our feelings. I know it's it's really weird. We're sensitive '90s guys, I guess, but uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that we we really do depend on, and it's it's something that has come up in law enforcement throughout the years that officers develop post traumatic stress disorder when they don't talk about when they don't deal with what they saw and what they experienced and what they. Um, are dealing with inside. So the chaplain is one part of helping us deal with that kind of stuff. And it's good to have someone that we know. It's good to have someone who, I mean, although he is Episcopalian where he uh, has his church, but he understands that we're all of different faiths at the Beaver Dam Police Department. Um, and he is very open to understanding what it is in counseling more than, you know, preaching, if you will. Uh, so that's one of those cool things. Um, and he also knows, too, that what where his limits are. Um, and we have an employee assistance program at the City of Beaverdam Police Department. And when things, you know, are out of his league or if it's just not working out to, you know, or he's not the appropriate choice, we can call on those professional services as well. If there's someone that we need to talk to or, or if there's something we need to deal with, we have that available to us. And that keeps us healthy, it keeps us happy, it keeps us uh, ourselves at home and on the job, and it helps us kind of deal with the more difficult things in law enforcement. So we thank Father Tess for that. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's great that he comes in and helps us out with this kind of stuff, and uh, I think we made a good choice in yeah. chaplain. And that was the, the tent of the first meeting, is just to kind of sit down and see what his philosophy is, uh, kind of listen to what he has to say about how, how he's going to approach the religious end of it, and and uh, just see what, what he's thinking and, and, and what tools he has, what kind of experience he has. He comes with a lot of background experience, a lot. Yes. And that's beneficial to us. And yeah, he helps out at the hospitals down in Madison. Yeah. Um, wow. Obviously, um, obviously, his congregation at St. Mark's here in town. Yep, that's um, right. Yeah, uh, and and being uh, a chaplain at different police departments as well. So, excellent, Father Mike Tess, the uh, the newly installed chaplain as of November Correct. of 2022 in the Beaver Dam 
Police Department. A lot of great new additions, it sounds like. Some noteworthy retirements that we've been covering here in the last half hour. I think my uh, my personal favorite comment would have been Tony Carroll could sell a popsicle, a ketchup popsicle to a woman with white gloves. Mm-hmm. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to use that again. <laughs> in, in, summer. in summer. In the too. summer. Yeah. In the summer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson, Police Chief John Kreitziger here with us. The phone number if you've got a question or a comment, 920-885-4446. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, that was 103 here at 95.3 WBEV, powered by Daily Dodge. Let's go back to community comment with Craig Warmbold. And our guests are with the Beaver Dam Police Department, uh, Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson and uh, Police Chief John Kreitziger here in the studio with us, 920-885-4446. Uh, the phone number if you've got a, uh, a question or a comment. What we're doing, you could... You could chime in on this topic or you could chime in on another topic, but what we're doing is we're looking at the annual report from the Beaver Dam Police Department 2022, uh, to be specific. And uh, we're going to go through some of these uh, these statistical um, uh, number-crunching uh, areas of law enforcement uh, here over the course of the uh, the next half hour or so. Uh, I'll throw a few out. Uh, 2022 citations, 1,160 adult citations issued last year, 121 juvenile citations, total collected in citations, 222,500, total collected for parking tickets, 17,165. Where does that fall? And is that kind of, that's an average year? Well, if you, you get, sometimes you compare it from year to year, which I do sometimes. What I, what I have here is I go back sometimes I usually go back a five-year and see how we are. So if you go back even in the five-year for those numbers, they're just a little under the average. So that's kind of where we stand with that. That This year doesn't stick. It's a little bit higher than last year, but last year was a low year. So it's it, it's 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 below the five-year average. So it's right in there. And uh, same thing with juveniles. So as far as the adult citations, 143 for operating after suspension, 99 for operating without insurance, 96 for operating without a valid driver's license, 93 for uh, not having that uh, that seatbelt, and then 91 for non-registration of vehicle seatbelt usage. You know, we hear that it's at the highest level ever, but it's still not at 100%, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, we also got a grant going on called Click It or Ticket, so that might affect them numbers a little bit because that's the purpose of that grant is to target those not wearing a seatbelt. Um, so their specific duties is to come in and, and uh, stop and issue, a, they have to issue a citation. Um, so that's the goal behind that grant. So that might affect that number. So looking uh, kind of on a different page here as it relates to some motor vehicle uh, situations, um, total crashes in 2022, 246. 56 of those were injury crashes. Four of them were pedestrian crashes. There was one fatal crash. That's that's somewhat uncommon in a in a city like Beaver Dam to see a fatal crash. Usually there's uh, a story behind it, a medical incident or, or something. I don't. I personally don't remember a. A fatal crash in the city of Beaver Dam last year. Is there any insight that you guys could provide to that? Yeah, if I remember correctly, it was on Gateway Drive. Is that, that was, actually at our number one, one intersection right there? About, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about that one. Um, I I don't want to uh, misspeak. However, I believe the fatality was not a result of the accident itself. Mm. It was a fatality that occurred during that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and caused the accident because of a medical issue. It, and usually seems like that kind of one. Correct. You know, you got 30-mile maximum speed limit right. or, or average it, speed limit. 
You don't so see it, that very often. It, it, it does happen. Um, usually when we see something that serious, um, it's usually a pedestrian is involved, a bicyclist, or a motorcycle. Um, but yeah, you're correct. I mean, even if you've got two cars, 25 and 25, and they hit each other and one rolls over, it can't happen. We actually yeah. have rollover accidents. But usually people inside the car, especially if they're wearing their seatbelt, will not see a fatality. I mean, they might have some serious injuries, cuts and glass, bruises, scrapes, you know, maybe even knocked unconscious. But, I mean, they go to the hospital and they're back on their feet the next day. So, I mean, it is rare for us to have that in the city limits. The, the worst uh, situation I could remember would have been uh, southbound 151, that first exit there, mistaking that ramp for the roadway and yes. just driving 70 miles an hour into that intersection at, what would that be, B Gateway yep. Yep. Uh, Drive, that, that was a few years ago, yeah. And that actually, that happened out in the town of Beaverdam and the county's jurisdiction, so oh. it wouldn't show up in those statistics, okay. yeah. All right. But, I mean, it would have originated just outside of the city of Beaverdam. But not to get off on too far of a tangent, now, since that time, every time I've taken that exit, I, it kind of crosses my mind, like, boy, this is real easy mm-hmm. to mistake this. It's yes. maybe what, a... With, with North Spring Street just going into yeah. that entrance to the freeway, it's, uh, it's one of those unique intersections that you don't see very often. Yeah, We've got a couple of unique intersections in our city, but yeah, that is one where you, you can tell that the state attempted to engineer that. So if you go directly straight, you're actually going to end up in the grass. You have to do a little maneuver to like get onto that on ramp, and I mean they, they adjusted things and put signs, you know, do not enter signs and wrong way signs, uh, appropriately so, and you know trying to prevent that accident from happening again. Um, I think when that did occur, that was that was a group of people that were from out of town, out of state, yeah. and may have been the first time they've been through that intersection, and it's it comes down to engineering. It, it really does. I, know, I feel so. like signage. There's there does yep. need to be maybe some more signage there. And, and maybe well. and I don't know if they adjusted it since then, but it is definitely one of those things where the engineers take a look at those. Okay, perfect example. And this is a county thing. This isn't a city thing. But if you look at the intersection of U.S. Highway 151 and County Road C, mm-hmm. the state knows that this is a yeah. very dangerous intersection, and the county, um, the DOT has. I think coming up here next year in 2024, they're going to be putting in, they're called R-turns or R-intersections, right. where you can no longer straight directly across, you cannot you cannot cross 151 from C. Yeah. And you have to turn right, go down the road, change lanes, then turn left and come back the other way and then turn back on to C. Um, they're designed for nice wide turn um, uh, you know, types of uh, uh, capabilities for, for semis and things like that, because it's very difficult for a semi to cross four lanes of 151 traffic. So the, the semi drivers love these things, and it does save lives because it, it does slow that interaction and that intersection down and allows people to turn appropriately. So that what I'm, my point of this, why I brought it up, is that there are engineers out there that look at the signage, that look at how the roads are built, you know, and, and suggest and put in grants for changing these types of intersections that we have these types of uh, problems, dangerous accidents, and things like that. Yeah, so. And we've seen that on the uh, the far south side of Beaver Dam. That used to be, what was that called, a diamond interchange? It was a left 
uh, was it a, a left uh, exiting uh, interchange that used to be there at uh, oh, Sigelski sure. at one point? Yep. Yes, it, this is before I was an officer in Beaverdale. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, it was correct. right before yes, your time. I remember that. Yeah. That was, and when they redid, when separated the lanes on 151, they redid that. Those are scary intersections. <laughs> well, that kind of puts a, a, a close on the accident portion of these statistics, but if you've got a question about accidents or perhaps uh, citations or some of the other topics that we're going to be talking about as part of the statistical analysis of uh, things going on in the Beaver Dam Police Department in 2022, feel free to give us a call at 920-885-4446. In fact, we'll go to the phones and say uh, good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Hi, Craig. How are you? Good. Tyler, how are you doing today? Too good. Good to talk to you, Lieutenant Judson, I think I made your day last month when I said what I said. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We bumped into each other. Yep. A yep. <laughs> Good to <laughs> see you in right. person. <laughs> Small world. So, um, my question is, when someone's going for their like, license, what is the one thing you would recommend them watching out for? Ah, good question, Tyler. Mm. New drivers. I've got a new driver in the Warmbold yeah. household. We are just a few months away. We got the learner's permit. And we're just a few months away from that driver's license. Watch out, it's, Beaver Dam. Okay, uh, paying attention to the road, eliminating distractions. Uh, take that cell phone, either turn it off or put it on silent. Stuff it in the glove box and be done with it. Don't don't be looking at it. Watch your watch what you're doing with the radio. Keep your eyes on the road. Even if you're doing 25 miles an hour, it's still having a head-on crash with someone because you, you drifted into the other lane because you weren't watching the road. That's the number one thing is, is distracted driving. I think uh, if, if everything else falls into place. If you're paying attention to the road, it makes sense to uh, be following the traffic laws and stuff like that. You, you will know as you drive down the road where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to stop, how fast you're supposed to be going because you're paying attention. So pay attention. That, that'd be the number one thing. Avoid distractions. Yep, exactly. You took the words I was telling a friend of mine, uh, another thing to watch out for is your uncontrolled intersections when they don't have stop signs. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, you, yeah, you should be careful too as well. Yeah, but you're going to miss areas. that if you're looking down at your phone. That is my point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Absolutely. We do appreciate it. 920-885-4446, that phone number. And we'll be rolling out our new texting line on Monday. Which so. which which is, you know, you should pull over to the side of the road and, yeah, and right. safely text. Exactly. <laughs> Excellent you, point. Yes, do not text service announcement. WPEV and drive <laughs> at the same uh, time. I almost wonder how there were even accidents before cell phones. It almost, you know, boggles my mind right. that there ever was one. I'm sure. Many, many reasons, many distractions besides the cell phone. But. Francis Lane and Gateway Drive, the mo intersection with the most accidents in 2022. While we're talking about, you know, the, the one thing you should be looking out for, what's the one thing you need to be looking out for at that particular intersection in Beaver Dam. For those that don't know, it's basically kind of by Walmart over there in mm -hmm. Menards. Yeah, they, they reconstructed that intersection a year ago, and and 18, 19, and 20 was also the most dangerous, so that's why they reconstructed it. So I'm surprised that it's still that number, because in 21 it was actually North Spring and Kanaf, by the way, so that was the oh. most dangerous. But it went back to this Francis and Gateway. I think it's the, one thing is that large volume of traffic, and the reason they reconstructed it last time was there's some confusion when there was cross traffic and turning there that, that caused some issue. And there's still people that get that they have questions or they, they don't know if they should turn right on a yield or, or who has the right of way. That's why that's still that way. I, I That's a state intersection, so that's why the state uh, redid that. I think when they re-lined the, the, the turns up, I, I think they, it's much better. 
Um, but uh, what do you what do you think there, Lieutenant? You've got a glare problem as well because as you're heading uh, westbound into town, you have the sun coming over the top of that hill, and uh, it's it's one of those things that as you approach and you got the sun in your eyes, you may not see the cross traffic. So I, I think you just got a natural certain times a year that sun is like right directly in front of you, um, and I think you could make the argument the other way as well but as you're going down the hill the sun is not really affecting that intersection you know as you go eastbound in the morning uh, I think it's an afternoon glare thing so you have that um, you have heavy heavy traffic it is probably one of the busiest intersections if not in the city probably in Dodge County and then you add all the many things that you have to do there I would agree hundred percent those are the probably the main concerns yeah. is the amount of traffic and how many different things are going on at that intersection and it, it's developed over the last five years yeah. we now have more businesses we yes. have that the southeast corner of that intersection has got businesses in it we've added more businesses uh, I know like Verizon is up there uh, Burger King in the northeast side of that intersection. Uh, some of the places over in the strip mall to the south of Walmart and the northwest corner of that intersection, they've opened back up and they've kind of recovered since the pandemic, you know, and we, we have more food available. We've got different shops that are open now. So you've got, you're drawing more people into the area and it's, it's a busy, busy intersection. Drawing more people into the program as well. You can give us a call at 920-885-4446. We'll go back to the phones and say good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Yeah, I got a question. I've tried to get out of those intersections that you're talking about by Burger King. Why don't they open up that back street behind Burger King and Arby's and, and that way some of the traffic coming out of Menards can get onto the road better? <laughs> yep. That's, that is a really, really good question. That is private property to the south, and that road behind Burger King, that would be private property. So the state would have to essentially get that back into public hands and buy that land to connect that road or at least have that access going through from County Highway B uh, into the Menards area and behind Burger oh. King. Yeah, yeah that's, why, that's why a definite possibility. I mean, I mean, I've seen so many close calls trying to get out there by the bank and the little mall and people are going way over 25 miles an hour a lot of the time you can't get out well the speed limit is more than the speed limit is more oh i'm sorry take that back on 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 francis lane it is 25 miles per hour but on county highway b and gateway drive it is not it is not 25 i believe it's 30 maybe even 35 (laughs) not well Uh, i'll play devil's advocate here not that i don't agree with the caller but if that's if we're talking about basically being behind like Menards and, and Burger King, is that Chris, what we're talking oh, okay, about? Okay, yeah. No, I think he's between Menards and Burger King. There is a like there's a road, the dead end street. Yes, oh, yeah, and it, it goes right. up to kind of where Verizon is. Yeah, and it just stops. It stops. But right. it could, if it continued south, it would go all the way to County Highway B, and you would have another access point into that you know or east all side the, of the shopping all, or center, or continue east too. But that's a, then that's a township road over there, so they'd have to extend that or widen that right, road right. if you wanted to divert yeah, traffic no. that way. Yeah. Okay, I take back what I was going to say, but that dead end street presumably is because there's room for one more development there. I imagine yes, that and that's the reason. Property. They're not going to yeah. take development right. property and yeah. probably make a road there. Sure. Yeah. But when they Although, do, when they maybe sell it, then it will correct. probably wind up being So, and that's, and that's the thing. I think it would behoove whatever business that 
buys that land and decides to build there yeah. to have another driveway into that whole shopping area. And I mean, because everybody else is going to want it too. Burger yeah. King's going to want it. You know, no. Verizon's going to want it. Why might why not uh, put in the road and then you'll sell that land a lot quicker if the road is accessible. That would be something that we'd have to talk to the engineers on. You know, because it, 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 city street versus private property, it's there's a whole bunch of. Processes. I, I pay a lot of taxes, like everybody else do. Spend it in the right way. I, I agree, hundred right, percent. Yeah. Appreciate Have that. Uh, appreciate that call. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Yeah, that I mean that is it gets to be a slippery slope because you know I mean that you've got the developers there right. that are looking to sell the land and right. you know where. Yeah. And, and I mean, if we buy it as a city street, well, then it's under city control, and then that person who owns that adjacent property is not going to be able to figure out, or well, not figure out, but they're not going to be able to choose what happens with that. You know, that's and most people are coming from the south and the west too. Right. So you, can, I've gone around the back way many, many times, but that's not where most people are. They take the shortest direction or right. the shortest way to get there, yeah. and that's what. Yeah, that's why people don't go around that back way. They they always go that way. Right. Day of the week with the most accidents. Friday accidents by month. We see the most accidents in the snowy weather months, which should come as no surprise. But Friday, Friday, everybody's getting home from work. Yeah, they're yeah. busy. They're not yeah. thinking about. You know, they're. <laughs> what what are the Friday plans? We're gonna pick up dinner, bring it back home. Got to get to this place, that place before they close. What's on Netflix? Yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> People oh. are distracted. Another caller here, 920-885-4446. Uh, we'll go to the phone and say good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Okay. Uh, I would like to compliment your guest on the way he explains things and sounds so enthused about his job, which I appreciate. And uh, he's doing one. I always enjoy hearing him on the radio. Oh. Good job, Jeremiah. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, you for that call. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, have a good Okay. You put the yeah. right guy in here. Today. I did. I am so proud of that. I'm th- th- thank you, caller. That makes me feel you good. You keep I did on the, calling. You made my I day. can't listen to them all the time. So good job, Jeremiah. Uh oh. Another. An, I was going to take a break, but we got another caller on the line, so we'll make some time at nine two zero eight eight five four 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 six. If you want to get a question or a comment into Lieutenant Jeremiah Johnson or Police Chief John Kreitziger with the Beaver Dam Police Department, go into the phone saying good afternoon. Welcome to Community Comment. Hey, Jeremiah, a long time no talk to you. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, and I can uh, forward what that lady just said. The last time I ran into you, you sounded enthusiastic and was happy to talk to me. And uh, Thank Anyway, you. Um, I want to just uh, um, say I don't know if this is uh, stupidity, but it's out of need that tonight, I will be walking from the YMCA over to Walmart carrying a duffel bag walking along that busy intersection. With no and, sidewalks. And what, right. And what normally happens to me is uh, because the lights don't stay green all that long, I get about halfway and I got to stand on that island right in the middle. Oh, yeah. And when the yeah. green. Uh, people are usually nice enough to let me go once in a while. You got a car, a car that's cutting through, but usually they're nice enough to let me go. And cars have been pretty good about seeing me walking, you know, once I get across the street or sometimes even if the light turns red, a car will stop and, and signal me to keep walking. 
So about that, I I I I don't normally you know say things you know to the you know city council or anything like that, but I, I will say this: I think we do need a set of sidewalks that can get pedestrian traffic to the Walmart area, just because there are so many people that would benefit from that. We do see a lot of people walking to go get their groceries, to go use all the businesses and services up there. It might be one of those things where we just need to bite the bullet and put those in. And, it's and just, there that's my housing, opinion. And, that's, and I'm just, it's a suggestion. In area too. I'm sorry, what was that, Rich? There was more housing put up in that area too. If, if you go down, down a block to, uh, what is it, D? Yep. Yep. There's yeah. uh, that is the north end of that new subdivision between right. Ellinger Road and B. Yes. Yep. So yeah, I I gotta I gotta tough it out because I'm not gonna call a cab and wait a half an hour for a cab to take me just out to Walmart when I'm done working out at the Y. Sure. When sure. I can get there in about 15 minutes and save a couple bucks. Right. Right. Yeah. So, some some sidewalks, maybe some some crosswalks would be <laughs> beneficial. And yeah, uh, obviously, and, the, and then, the crosswalks um, are going to add a different level of right. to that intersection. Yeah, you know what I mean. Time and, it'll change the timing. Right. Yeah, and, and then, like I said, you know, I mean, you're probably going in those evening hours where I'm worried about the glare. You know, as um, you go up over the top of that hill, are you going to see a pedestrian, and you're only looking for cars? You know? I'm going to say I'm in the neighborhood of um, five thirty, six thirty. Yeah, that's uh, that could be a bad time, depending. It is normally pretty busy with traffic, but then if you put the crosswalk in, hopefully they can put one of them little buttons on the signal lights that you yeah, push. Yeah, like yeah. Wal- Wal- they have by Walmart and by the middle yeah. school. Yeah. yeah, when they do that, they got to do it right. The, the That'd best- be my suggestion, and it's just a suggestion my, and my, from personal observations as a police officer. My best suggestion, but it would be are costly. Are you able to make It's, it's going to cost. A walking bridge. Right. Oh. Uh, Jeremiah, are you able to make a suggestion to the city about that or possibly the mayor? Well, when when the time comes and my opinion is asked, I'll gladly provide it. Otherwise, I follow the chain of command and tell it to the boss sitting across from me right now. I, I think the All best right. idea, the best idea is a walking bridge over the top of that, but that's really expensive. Wow. But You're not running for yeah, mayor anytime yeah, soon. No, I know. I, I oh, get okay. shot down just right wait. away. Just wait. But okay, if, if you're asking me about what to do with that intersection, you put a roundabout in <laughs> and Boy. I will get thrown out of office if I was ever the mayor there. So. Uh, Uncle here. Bill just had a, uh, a moment too when he... Yeah. Uh, Somebody's rolling. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A walking bridge will never happen because that'll be too nope. big and Never yeah. happened. Yeah, but nope. something needs. I mean, with the uh, uh, the new housing going Never in happened. there, you got yeah. the YMCA kids going there. We want them to go there on their bikes. It just seems to make sense to have a sidewalk in there now. Whether or not because that's kind of a business park area, if that's got any kind of uh, you know, I change don't, in the way they look at that, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'll ask the mayor. She's on the final Friday of each yeah. month, so we'll ask her in uh, in the well, final that, month. It, it March. doesn't have to be on no. both sides of the road. Just one one access oh, for now. Pedestrian. You're opening up a can of worms because it yeah. kind of does need to be on both sides of the road oh, by yeah. state statute oh i suppose yeah, yeah you're right so okay. there's where the problems begin. And i was not aware of that in there yeah. i do know a skateboarder that that goes across there too well i think the state it owns I, that I, too so the yeah. city's going to have to work with the state on that and usually you know how that is you got to have it engineered and you got to do studies and all that stuff so you know sometimes especially at an intersection like that that's so busy it's going to require some studies and bids and, and some all kinds engineering designs to see which one is the best designer anyway best jeremiah uh 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 <laughs> 
Jeremiah, thank you. And uh, I know where your favorite place is now, and I go there a lot, too, so I'll be saying hi to you once in a while. And, Craig, have a good weekend. <laughs> you as well, Rich. I appreciate it. Take that. care. Uh, Again, and, thank you, and congratulations there, Jeremiah. Another compliment. <laughs> They must know I'm on here. They're just going to call and, and, and praise you, but good job. And a quick correction to my, my statement about state statute not allowing sidewalks on both sides. I, I did misspeak to a certain degree. You can put a sidewalk on, on one side of the street. What you can't do is assess both sides of oh, the property right, owners. Right, yeah. And what that usually does is you've got one property owner saying, well, why are you doing it to yeah, me? Yeah, why not am I paying if I don't get a sidewalk? Yeah, so, yeah, I ran into that issue on one of the streets yet, yeah, not too long ago. Happens uh, very frequently at the uh, at the city level, not just in Beaver Dam, but many places, I am sure. Uh, so continuing our look at the statistics uh, coming out of uh, 2022 from the Beaver Dam Police Department, um, I'll, I'll run through some of these and then maybe we could zero in on some. Uh, murder and non-negligent manslaughter, one. Maybe we should just stop there. What? Because, you know, I know we have that uh, Dylan Lenz uh, situation. Is that our attempt? Is that, is that, cons- is that yeah, what yeah, it falls yeah. under? Yeah, okay. it's an attempt. It's an attempted yeah. murder then. Um, f- sex offenses, uh, allegedly, uh, the, he's a suspect in that, uh, in that case, just to clarify for the record at this point, um, he is a suspect in that case. Uh, 15 sex offenses, um, uh, assaults, this would be aggravated assault, simple assault, and intimidation, 51, uh, two kidnapping incidents, one well, let's stop there before we get again to uh, crimes against property. These, these were crimes against people. Um, how did these stack up in, in relation to other years, Chief? For which one? For which one? So crimes against, uh, crimes against persons. We're talking about uh, assault offenses uh, and sex offenses, uh, two kidnapping slash abduction reports uh, that have occurred in total. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to do the total. We are down, which is a good thing. So we are we are down. So, so 69 uh, crimes against persons reported in uh, in 2022. Uh, it, it it's moving in a, a positive, positive direction. direction. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? I don't know. What do you think, Jeremiah? You, um, uh, education. It, it, you know, there's a lot of factors into that. It, that's hard. It, it, I mean, it's 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 very difficult to answer that question. I guess that's the most yeah. honest. You know, way is, that we can it? say it is it, some of those things are so deeply rooted in so many factors in society. It's how people are raised. It's how people, you know, it's it's how they, even if they're reported, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that just are, uh, there's so many factors involved that could be affecting that number. Yeah, and I agree. I don't think there's an answer. I was just thinking that Jeremiah thinks the same way I do. I just don't see an answer to your question. I don't. There's just so many variables. So, do you think education has an impact? You know, when we talk about maybe uh, Pave coming into schools and and doing uh, uh, some of their educational programming as far as uh, teen dating violence and and things like that. Do you think that has a positive impact? I it, think it does. Yes, it does. I, think I agree. It's, um, it's very important. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't think it, I've said this many times on the pro, program before, it doesn't replace parents being a mm-hmm. vital part of kids' lives and educating them on how things work, you know, and, and the dangers of meeting strangers and, and, and gaining people's trust and developing good, positive, healthy adult relationships with people. And I, But I think those programs help as well because they, they do discuss being safe. They talk about 
what's appropriate uh, relationships, and uh, it, it is beneficial, absolutely. Crimes against properties, 229 reported in 2022. That includes 104 incidents of theft or larceny, six incidents of burglary, and uh, one incident of, uh, of robbery, four incidents of motor vehicle theft. Um, you know, one robbery, uh, you know, I feel like we had a few three, four year, uh, three or four years were, that didn't make sense, a few years where we had three or four robberies right. maybe in a given year, gas stations, banks, whatever that may be. Yep. So that and number knock on wood. Knock, knock on, on wood. wood, yeah. Yep. That number does seem to be trending in a more positive direction. Yes. Uh, I think we, uh, those are crimes that almost always get reported. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those are, those are ones when they happen, we know. Um, and we have found that a lot of those are related to kind of the drugs in the community mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, we got some desperate people that are looking for some cash. Um, they are looking to, you know, get that money so they can get their next uh, dose of drugs, if you will. I guess I'm not really using the street term there, but you, get, you understand what I'm saying. Um, and occasionally as well, um, there's uh, personal stuff that happens where uh, you have uh, parties involved with each other that uh, get into uh, arguments and things like that. And part of the assaults that occur and the, um, I guess, I guess one of them, what I'm trying to say is we realized that there was a history between the suspect and the victim. Uh, and, right. and as part of their kind of tiff between them, uh, there was a robbery that had occurred from the suspect to the victim. You know, and that, that's one of those things that's it's rare. You know, it wasn't about money. It was more like sending a message and intimidation and threats and things like that. Out of those 104 theft reports, 43 of those could be attributed to shoplifting. That seems like that's just kind of a chronic problem. Anywhere you go, yep. Yep. Uh, you're going to see that. The majority of those stats that we see for retail theft are coming in at the latter half of the year. Really? Um, yes. Yeah. We've always had steady retail theft met numbers and right around the time at the end of the year um, Walmart kind of started stepping up their hmm. enforcement when it came to retail theft and uh, numbers exploded at the end of the year I would not be surprised if we see that number um, over the 2021 numbers for 2023 so the current year that we're in I bet you it's more than double yeah and I see that under year. the rest column for the year before that has already jumped so I can't even wait to see what it's gonna do next year yeah so I mean a lot of this is targeted at that one big box store then basically mm -hmm. that you're talking mm -hmm. about and yep. uh, a, a little shift in employment uh, may have may go a long way when it comes to addressing that absolutely it, theft from coin operated machines at zero it wasn't too long ago perhaps before for your time where that was just a rash around uh, the Beaver Dam, Dodge County area. Are you think video cameras are, are maybe uh, having a, a positive impact when it when it relates to something like that? Yeah, that's, that's gonna have a lot to do with it. Um, probably having those machines under camera coverage and I think the technology in the machines too have gotten a lot better too. Yeah. So <laughs> it's physically <laughs> more difficult to yeah, get in. People are like also using less cash. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everything's credit, credit card. card. Yeah. Everything's so that does help quite a bit. Uh, you know. So also, I also find it interesting. Thefts from motor vehicles reported in all of last year were 13. This seems to be 
I can't tell you how many times over the years on community comment with you guys coming in, yep. you guys or Smeetema, whoever yep. it might Telling be. Telling people to lock their doors. Lock their doors. Keep their belongings in a safe area. Yep. I don't want to say that you shouldn't do that anymore, but 13 right. seems like a pretty manageable well, number over we, 12 we've months. we put a significant amount of actors that were doing that kind of stuff in jail. And we also made right. other arrests. It worked, you know. We Last year we had the ordinance for entry into unlocked vehicles. That was a new ordinance last year. So that was one of our top arrests last Correct. year. So I think that affected these numbers right here because we couldn't prove the theft, but we could prove the entry to the vehicle. So, you know, they were sealing things like change and stuff, and it's really hard to prove to, to prove the the intent behind the theft because lots what, of times what we, would happen is we would get a 911 call someone's out late at night and they see someone going through their neighbor's car they correct. call our numerous cars already right. they had already right. gone through a lot of cars already so we would go detain the person they'd have a whole bunch of pocket change on them, and we don't know who the victim is and the victim never calls us because they were in 20 cars that night and mm. either nobody noticed or it's really hard for us to figure out so having that ordinance in place where it is illegal to enter a car locked or otherwise that is not yours whether or not you stole anything out of that car with the intent of looking to steal with the intent of going in that car to shop around and see what's available that's great to have and i think that's that's where you're seeing the yeah, impact state the statute was that it had to be a locked vehicle so now we created an ordinance for locked or unlocked entry so a lot of people leave their vehicles unlocked that, that was my next question. Lock it. Yeah. Please lock it. Most pe- a lot of people leave them unlocked, though. See, in order in order to get into a locked vehicle, you got to smash a window, you got to make a lot of noise, and you're yeah. going to get caught because you're going to wake up the neighbors. Okay. And people are victim and, of opportunity too. Right. You know, they're they're driving by a car, and right. it's locked. They're going to keep going. If there's one unlocked, it's a lot easier to enter unlocked than a locked vehicle, so it is quicker. Fraud offenses. Fifty-nine fraud offenses reported. Uh, most of those uh, fraud by false pretenses. A few credit card and ATM. Um, um, I imagine mishandling or, or thefts or, or whatever that may be in terms of fraud. Uh, no cases of embezzlement, extortion, blackmail, bribery, uh, destruction of property, or vandalism. Up at uh, up at forty-seven. People are just, I mean, how many of those are lawnmowers being thrown on the lawn in <laughs> the middle of the night? Is the old lawnmower, the old lawnmower thing. Um, some of them are something as simple as people getting into arguments with each other and they throw a dish across the kitchen and the dish smashes. That is criminal damage to property, which would fall under that category. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where you're probably seeing some of those in there. Drug offenses, 154 uh, drug offenses. Would this be arrests, uh, citations? Is this arrests that we're talking about? No, that would be just the number. Uh, the rest is, uh, I had that number like 118, I believe, was last year. Yeah. 88 were for uh, drug and narcotics violations. 66 were for drug equipment violations. Would that be paraphernalia then, I yes. would assume, under yes. that? So 88 drug violations. Where, um, like, What types of drugs are we talking about? What are the drugs of choice in Beaver Dam nowadays that seem to be leading to these arrests? Um, everything from marijuana. We're seeing a resurgence in methamphetamines. Uh, Resurgence. Fentanyl. Yes. Yeah. It, it used to be really bad about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Heroin has gone away. It, I mean, it's it's there. It's still out there. Heroin's been replaced with fentanyl, which is incredibly dangerous. Um, so people are getting heroin 
with fentanyl in it, or they're getting just pure fentanyl, and they're not quite sure what they've got, and that's that's the whole fentanyl you know epidemic, if you will. Um, and then methamphetamine is is sneaking back in. So it's um, yeah, fentanyl is a huge problem. It's a, the state's well aware of that problem. Um, Grossman talked about it a couple of weeks ago to one of the meetings we were at. Um, securing borders with more equipment and more dogs because the fentanyl problem is continues to be a problem, and then that a- affects us. And yeah, we we're going to fentanyl de- deaths. That yeah. a couple because yeah, it, we, it just takes a small amount of fentanyl compared to some of these other correct, drugs, heroin, right. for example, yeah. and that could lead to an immediate overdose. So our people that are are in the market for heroin are they then being i mean they're 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 making bat, uh what is it a black market deals anyway right but I, I mean are they buying these under the assumption that it's heroin and something that they've been familiar with so it's it's a little bit of both and okay. we have the classic okay your drug dealer's not a pharmacist so you don't know what you're getting so right. you accidentally overdose because you're taking your normal heroin dose and it turns out to be fentanyl, which is 10 to 100 times stronger, and you overdose. Okay, so th- there's that. But there are times where people know they're getting fentanyl, but they don't know how it's been cut. They don't know how strong it is. And they accidentally, even though they know they are taking the fentanyl, they're still overdosing on it. It's a supply so, and demand with drugs. It's been that way since I've been a law enforcement. It's always supply and demand. It's always sit- switching and rotating, and it's, it's always something mixing with something else, and it's all yeah. supply and demand. And yeah. that's see how it works. Is the methamphetamine, is that, uh, do we know if that's domestic, locally made, uh, coming from the West Coast, coming from south of the border? Any, any yeah, ideas? Yeah, I don't, I do not know. Um, I, that is not my thing. I could talk with the drug task force. I, I know methamphetamine when I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it, I don't know the source of it. Where, you know, if this is, you know, stuff where we've got car labs, you know, Doing a little, you know, pot cook or something like that, uh, or if this is something where there's a big manufacturer facility and it's coming across from the border, stuff like that. I, 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 I can't answer. According that. to Grossman, the, at the federal level, they're trying to, the the main problem is fentanyl, and that is the big issue. And oh, they, right, that's it, the that's most concerning. That's the number one issue in the United States is fentanyl. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it could just be a matter that somebody from Beaver Dam has a better connection for methamphetamine than fentanyl. Yeah. And then right it, now. Yeah. yeah, it just gets laced with with fentanyl. They, yeah, they what, pass it off as one thing. Yeah. Or yeah. And FDA, like he was talking, FDA doesn't regulate any of that, and that's you don't know what you're getting. Right. Uh, every other prescription or things you over the counter stuff that you purchase, a lot of that's FDA regulated. So driving under the influence 53 arrests uh in 2022 in the city of beaver dam that's about four a month that's pretty much every week well that is literally every mm-hmm. every weekend you're nabbing one individual that's above the 0. 0.08 threshold yep it's a huge problem always has been probably will for a long time um we, we, I've talked about it many times on the show before. It is kind of an epidemic. I've said that word too many times today. Uh, in this state, I think we think uh, we, we kind of have like this attitude towards alcohol that is a little bit more casual than other states. And that's fine until you get behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. So that's really where a lot of our problems lie. You know, it, it, if you're talking about our traffic safety, you take a look at the same statistics that we have over at the sheriff's office as well. 
that a lot of the dangerous accidents where people are getting injured, there's an alcohol involvement. And if we can just get people to call a cab, call a friend, walk home, plan ahead, call an Uber, something, rather than decide to get behind the wheel and operate a motor vehicle, I think we'll see a lot better numbers and statistics. You know, it's, it's dangerous to drunk drive, and that's all there is to it. A repeat offender is a problem. Yeah, that too. Yeah. And there's not an answer for that right now. And, you know, it is a disease, and, and all we do is keep throwing them in jail. But that is five more than last year. No, so that is a that is an uptick Increase. in the uh, in the yeah. OWIs. Yeah. Liquor law violations. There was eleven adult arrests and four juvenile arrests. Um, to, should I assume that we're not talking about a establishment uh, necessarily selling to underage with Actually, this I, particular those, line item? I believe those are from our investigations where we actually we, we go in and we test to make sure that mm. they're not selling to underage individuals okay uh, you're so, you're arresting a uh, a clerk it or counts a... as an arrest however they issued they were there issued a citation okay yes. all right yeah. gotcha four juveniles then got got picked up for that uh, or got With identified related. for that yep. as, uh, as well yeah uh, then um, curfew loitering and vagrancy so curfew violations I assume you had 10 for adults uh, 19 for juveniles is is loitering uh, after what what is what is the message we want as parents what do we want to um, tell our kids who are below the age of what I believe it's 17 uh, as it relates to being out in the city of Beaver Dam what times what what do we need to know okay so as far as to address the loitering a lot of officers are not going to walk up to someone and be like hey you need to move along or I'm going to write a ticket. They will say that, okay, and they will allow them to move along. But it takes a lot of knowing the same people doing the same thing every day in order for an officer to get to the point where, like, guess what? Now you're receiving citation for loitering because uh. I've told you before. I've told you several times. We have a lot of times this will happen at our schools. You know, really? where yes, where people will stay after school, they will not go home, they're loitering, they you know, and they've been told several times by the administration or or school resource officers to, to move along. So huh. it does happen. Okay. So, uh, curfew. If you are under the age of seventeen, you need to be off of the city streets at eleven PM. Okay. So what if uh are you so and so if you're going if you're going to work yeah you know let's say for instance sporting events happens, things yeah. like those are if, so. you know if you're if you are contacted by an officer and you know where are you going I'm going home just coming home from a friend's house uh, my mom told me to come straight home all right sounds good where do you live yep you're heading in that direction there's nothing weird about the story officers are gonna just let you go on your way and go home because that's mm -hmm. what you're doing okay however if you're in a park. Uh, drinking, smoking cigarettes, or getting into trouble, you know, vandalizing crap, and you're going to get a curfew ticket if, you're, if you fall into those, those, you know, categories under the age of 17 and after 11 p.m. Yeah. So it's, it is under the age of 17 and up, you're an adult in the state of Wisconsin. For the ordinance, as it's written in the city of Beaver Dam, 17 and up, you can be on the city streets after okay. 11 p.m. Correct. Gotcha. Yes. He's, yeah. he's kind of right. So, and... and the other thing too, you noticed that there were adults that were ten adults. Is, is that what you're juveniles. asking about? Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm kind of curious about the ten adults. I guess okay. vagrancy. The ten adults? No, the ten adults received citations because they allowed their children to be out oh. and about. They did not know where they were. They did not tell them to come home. They were not in control of their children, and it is illegal in the city of Beaverdam to have an adult allow a child to be 
out after curfew. So you have watch so, your kids. So yes, yes. So if if it happens consistently enough, I will write that citation to the adult and say, you know what? We're having trouble with your son or daughter. We talked to you about this before. You're not doing anything about it. Guess what? It's your problem now. When I when it I was, was gro- a very effective. It, it, I, seems I, it, it, it seems to work. The problem <laughs> seems to go away after you write that citation. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, Johnny, right before Johnny Carson would start, that's when parents, do you know where your children <laughs> yes, are? It's 1030. No, yes, I yeah, remember that. Yeah, that was, that oh, was a different Channel time. Channel 6 does it at 10 o'clock now. Oh, do they still do that? Okay. You know where your children are. Ah. That's the start of the news. I Channel feel 6. like I haven't heard that in a while. Well, because the only news source that we uh, pay attention to is WBEV and Daily Dodge. Of course. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's right. We don't, we don't listen to the other news. <laughs> Are there other news uh, sources? Uh, I was not aware of those. <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much for going through these numbers with me. And, uh, you know, maybe just as a final statement, if you would, Chief, we went through a lot of numbers here today. What do you want our listeners to take away from these numbers? I think it's good. We got some numbers here. We got some up. We got some down. But overall... We're, we're, we're steady. Overall, yeah. I got to look at this. It appears that we're being effective. You know? yeah. and it really, it comes down to what, what does the community think, right? Yeah. You know? And that's what my answer always is. is we got to get some feedback on what the community thinks. We get those out there. We review them some more and analyze the data some more and see where we just got them out. So that's our goal. And then we start making changes like we did last year with an ordinance or, or enforcement. So we'll see where, where everything adds up. But so far... I mean, it's looking pretty good. Let's bring let's bring Mike Steffes back one of these months, yes, Chief. You, I would love you. We, we can, I would yeah, love to do that. I would yeah. love to do that. I'm sure he'd do it too. <laughs> I think that'd be something. Uh, and it's uh, great as always uh, to see you, Lieutenant Johnson. We'll Absolutely. see you here in April again. Sounds good. And I think I'm going to bring uh, Joey Salazar and Megan oh, Rulo with me. Our new officers. Yes. yes. Oh, wonderful. Perfect. Yes. Looking forward to it. The first Friday of the month of see, April. Yeah. They're nervous about it. I said, no. There's yeah, nothing to be nervous about. I just say, Come talk on. from your heart. Just talk from your heart. Yeah, exactly. Good, good that's, advice. That's the advice I give them. Just don't worry about anything else. Just talk from your heart. What advice do you give your officers in general? Like when you got two new officers starting, do you do you have a? a I have a speech of about five, six things I go through. Do you? Yeah, and I <laughs> talk to them about it. And you know, I always talk about the way they treat people because that to me, I they always say, "What do you hire for?" I say three things: character, character, character. That's it. My interviews are two and a half to three hours with one individual because that's what I'm looking for. And I always give them my first my first advice is always how you treat people with honor, dignity, respect, empathy, and compassion. That's what I stand for. That's what's really important to me. And if you don't do that, you're going to hear from me. So that's one of my speeches I give, and and I want to make sure. That's why we got guys like him that care and love their job and have empathy, compassion, dignity, and respect for people. That's what we got to have. That's and, what we got to have in our cops. And that's Beaver Dam Police Chief yeah. John Kreitzinger. And that's Beaver Dam Police Lieutenant <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson. And that's going to do it for today's yeah. community comment. Right. Thank you.